0: Good morning. morning. Hey, you did a pretty good job. How is everybody today? Good. Three people are good. We got an average. That's good. So before I get started, in my hands is a sign, as you probably figured out, I would imagine. And this is for Faith on the Lawn next week. And I have been informed that we have several out there that you can take and put in your yard or the yards of your neighbors or the post office, wherever you want to put them. I'm not in charge of that. Uh, And so... That we have these. They're free to take and put up. And I'm going to put it back here because I've already almost stabbed myself with it like three times. Um, good. One laugh. That's okay. So there was a young boy. He was about five. Uh, and he was starting school in a couple of weeks, but he'd not spoken a word yet. And so his parents were, were worried, but they'd been assured over and over again that it was okay, that, that it's nothing to worry about. And so basically the day before school started, uh, they're having dinner and and they're having soup. And he stops and puts his spoon down and is like, my soup is cold. And they're they're freaking out and they're crying and they're like, oh, my gosh, why haven't you said anything to them? And he's like, well, until now, everything's been satisfactory. (laughs) Thanks. Okay, so we are we are wrapping up the Amazing Acts series. And this has been a long series, but it's so cool because it is about the start of the church. It's about the disciples. It is about who we are. It's about, if you look through the Bible occasionally, you'll see genealogies like the lines that lead to David or that lead to Jesus or various other lines in the Old Testament and acts. And then what comes after it is kind of our genealogy of faith that leads to us, to the church today. And so that's why it's been such an amazing series. And so... To wrap up a series that largely involves Acts, I'm going to Hebrews chapter 11, (laughs) verses 1 through 3. Um, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. So, as I said, we've gone through much of Acts and we've seen the formation of the early church and we've watched as the disciples uh, become more than just the disciples. They become uh, leaders, they become church starters, they become missionaries, they become uh, bolder and, and more confident in everything because they're finally picking up what Jesus had handed them. But each of the people, each of the disciples, each of the apostles, each of the church people uh, was different. They all had different gifts and they all had Uh, different abilities and they all had different personalities Uh, so they were all unique but they were all just people and we often look at them and everybody in the Bible as as being bigger than life because they're in the Bible but aside from Jesus everybody in the Bible is just a normal person who who had faith and who lived that faith out and who did what they could to act out in that faith and that's what we do that's how we are supposed to be what separated them from everyone else was not just their faith, although that is important, obviously, but the fact that they lived it out, they showed it, they practiced what they preached, they helped other people, they wanted to be who God could make them. And that's what brings us to today, to who we are. And, and faith is so interesting because our eyes and our ears and our hands and all the other senses that we have that I, again, assume, you know, uh, gives evidence of the world around us. So, like, I can touch this and assume that it is here, although then you get into simulation stuff, but I don't believe that, so we're not gonna go too far with that. Good, nobody else believes it either, we're gonna go. But it's, we have evidence of what is around us. Faith, however, gives us evidence of what's unseen, of what's not there, of hope, of something more, of the fact that we are connected, of the fact that there is a God, of the fact that, that, that he loves us. It gives us evidence of hope, And you see, the church and all of those who came before, they serve as examples. They serve as, again, our genealogy of faith, the people that we can look to, to see the good and the bad of how they lived, of what they did, of how they built, of how how they lost, of how they won, of all of those things. And then we can pick it up and go forward. Now, in those days, in the days of Acts and and a little bit beyond, uh, faith could and usually did mean death or arrest. Or worse in some cases. Now in our days, we don't really have to deal with that. In ours, it's much more accepted. But in a way, that can even be dangerous. Because when it's accepted, when everybody has it, when everybody talks about it, when everybody goes to church, uh, it it, it can become comfortable. It can become comfortable. It can be just something that you say. A box that you check. It, it, It can become being used to how things are. Or used to how we want things. And we don't want to shift it. We don't want to change it. We don't want to make a difference. We just want to do with what we're comfortable with. One of the things, one of the phrases that people in the church always say. Is we talk about being in the world but not of the world. And we all know that. And everybody that's ever been to a church has heard that and knows that. And yet, in today's world, it's easier than ever to be of the world without even realizing and I'm not talking about sin and I'm not talking about things like that necessarily. I'm talking about the anger that comes with it. I'm talking about building that bubble around ourselves to where our view is the only right way. And we our opinion matters more than the Bible or anything else. And, and all we care about is what we care about. And that leads again to anger, to hatred, to a lack of compassion. To all of these things that we're so used to. All of these things that make us like the world. And it's so hard because worse, it leads to a lack of hope. Not just hope in what's around us. Not just hope in things getting better. Not just hope in ourselves. But hope in others. Hope that others can change. Hope that others can do better. And we start to lose that hope. Because, I mean, let's be real. The second you turn on the TV, you're going to see something bad. And so it's easy for that hope to go away, for for that hope to feel worse. Faith isn't or shouldn't be blind. It is about trusting and it is about hoping and it is about God and it is about giving our lives to him. And it's also not unreasonable. You see, some people that have never been in church or or look at Christianity in a certain way and be like, oh, You know, they have their heads in the clouds or they believe in fairy tales or whatever. But faith is such amazing reason because we see evidence of God. We see evidence of Christ's love. We see evidence of all of this stuff that leads to our faith. Now, it's not provable. That's correct. But it's also not disprovable, which I made up and I'm going to coin. Going to the creation of the universe, which is mentioned in the scripture. So essentially, there's variations of the theories, but essentially you come down to two stark different theories. So you have a more scientific, uh, worldly belief of the Big Bang Theory and everything, just kind of all the dust and everything kind of joined together and exploded. Uh, I recently read a book about universes and all of this stuff. And one of the things that some scientists do with that theory to cover for the fact that Where did that dust come from? Where did this stuff come from? Is the end of our universe becomes the beginning, and it's a big circle. However, there still has to be a start. So it still requires some faith to believe that theory. Now, on our side of the street, we believe God created the world, the universe, everything. And so in both cases, it takes faith to be like, wait. So if there is all this dust, where did that come from? And for us, it's like, so if God created everything, what, what was before God? Because as humans, we only know beginning and end. We only know time. And that's beyond God. But you see, that's what helps with our faith. That's the evidence. Because like I said, both take faith. But only one involves a perfect, all-powerful creator that could do this stuff. And so that makes sense to us. And that is reason. And that is thinking. And so we look at that and it's like, okay, I kind of get this. And so we do our best to live it. We do our best to show it. We do our best to grow in our faith. And I have a quote from Martin Luther. Faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace. So sure and certain that a man could stake his life on it a thousand times. And Martin Luther did just that. You see, he took a stand against what always was. And that's not to say that what always was is bad. It's not to say that that any of that. But what it means is he saw that there was a chance for more. A chance to be different. A chance to attempt to be better. A chance to live out his faith. And so while, like everybody, he's imperfect, he had this confidence. And he staked his life on that confidence, on that faith. And he did everything he could to to do that. And you see, faith is confidence. It's living it out every day. It's choosing to have it every day. It's choosing to grow it. It's choosing to see it. It's choosing to have faith in God above all. To have faith in others. To have faith in ourselves. To have faith that he can do anything through all of us. And it's that confidence that comes along with it. And sometimes that falters because everybody has doubts. Everybody has doubts. Peter, Paul... Everybody has doubts at some point. And we often treat that as, oh, I have doubts, so I'm not a real Christian. That's not true at all. Because when you have doubts, it's a chance to grow your faith. It's a chance to learn more. It's a chance to talk about it more. It's a chance to to be a part of something and be like, okay, what can I do with this? And so the people of Acts and and Martin Luther and others that have come before and anybody you could list in here like Billy Graham, C.S. Lewis, Mr. Rogers, They lived out their faith. You see, it's a choice, like I said, to live every day, to grow every day. But sometimes we look at it as, okay, well, I joined the church. I'm a Christian. I have faith. And then we just kind of, that's it. We just kind of move forward. And it's like, okay, it's good now. I don't have to ever do anything ever again. But that's not what faith is. You see, so many before us, through Acts, Through Martin Luther, through again, others have staked their life literally on bringing the faith to the world, on showing examples of Jesus to the world. So it's not too much to ask for us to just change for it, to allow it to change us, to allow it to help us be better, to allow it to help us see where we can improve, where we can grow, where we can help others. That's what faith does. It helps us to have this hope, not just of something more, but of the fact that our small examples, our small lives can help others see that. When you break down each of the people in, in Acts and in Hebrews 11 and wherever else in the Bible, when you break down their lives, it's a series of actions lived in faith. And just for, I'm going to go to Peter for an example. As you read through the Gospels and through Acts and then through his books, you see before Acts such an up and down life. He tried really hard. And sometimes he's like, oh, man, Jesus, you are the Messiah. I see it. And then he'd be like, but you're not going to die. Come on. And so Jesus called him Satan, which fairly big insult. <laughs> but Peter didn't stop there. And then he, he gave everything. And he's like, I'm going to fight for you. And she's like, not like that. And then he denied him because his worldview was shattered and he had doubts and he didn't know what to do. But then Jesus came back and he never said, hey, Peter, you've had too many chances, buddy. He said, Peter, have faith in me because I have faith in you. And we see that similar story in so many others. Paul, uh, John, James, everybody you want to list, any Christian you want to list has had an up and down life at some point because none of us are right all the time. None of us are perfect all the time. I know, I know, it's shattering that I'm not perfect all the time. But it's true. You can just ask basically anyone. But Jesus looks at us with his perfection. And he says, listen, you can do more. You can do better. You can live out your faith. And I am with you. Just like I said to the seventh graders, he is with us every single day. That is the key to all of this series is each of those people. They absolutely did amazing things, but they did it because of him and with him. And he did it through them. We are never alone. Jumping ahead to verse 29. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days, and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So if you haven't read Hebrews 11, I encourage you to. Uh, it's such a cool chapter. It's called the Hall of Fame or the Hall of Faith chapter. And, and you basically see most of the people, if not all of the people who truly lived out the faith in the Old Testament from from Abel on. And, and it's so cool to see this because it talks a little bit. It's like a little summary of what they did and how they lived and and all of that, like we just saw. And each of them had faith. You see, each of them had faith. That's how they survived, that's how they lived. And they each had God's help. They each had God's calling. But they still had to act. You understand acts now? It's acts of the apostles. They still had to act. Because having faith, we can all do that. But it leads to that choice, do we act? Now let me be clear. God doesn't need us to act, and he didn't need them to act. He can do everything on his own. And he's always going to be able to call others if we say no. But he gives us this amazing opportunity. He allows us to to live in his plan, to be a part of it, to do more, to to show our faith, to live our faith, to to be a disciple. And just to go through these things that that we listed in this verse, uh, Moses After all the plagues and after he had argued with God, literally argued with God, I can't do this, you need to send somebody else. After all of that, he leads them out of Egypt and they get up to the Red Sea. A lot of people, if not most people, if not everybody would have stopped there and been like, okay. And a lot of the Israelites were like, man, we're going to die here. It's better to just go back and be slaves because at least then we're alive, and at least then there's hope. And Moses, I guarantee, he had those thoughts go through his head, and he's like, what now, God? And we've come to that before, the Red Sea in front of us, and then it parts. But here's the thing, we stop there often, and it's like, oh, a miracle, the sea parted, and, and they could walk through. That's still scary. I don't know how many people here have been to a lake, or a pond, or an ocean, but if that parted, It still takes a lot of faith to walk through there, right? Because that's still water on every side. And it doesn't matter how big the body of water is. That's scary. And so they still had to act. They still had to walk forward. They still had to trust. And then we go to Joshua and Jericho. And this is when Israel was taking over the promised land and trying to, to live out God's promises. And they had a very up and down relationship with God, too. And God tells them, hey, so here's the battle plan. And they're like, yes, sweet. Okay, this is going to be a perfect battle plan. We are totally going to win this war. And he's like, so first you're going to get everybody together, and then you're going to march and blow trumpets. I'm like, okay, what's next? That's it. That's insane. Like, imagine that the Ohio State, when they play Michigan this year, they're like, okay, this is our game plan. We're just going to march around the field and blow trumpets. You know, for the first quarter, Michigan would be like, uh, what's going on? But eventually they're just going to score because nobody's playing defense. So that's a crazy thing. And yet, Joshua trusted God and they did it. They acted. They did what they could. And then we get to Rahab, who is literally called, not just in Hebrews, but throughout the Bible, as Rahab the prostitute. Talk about a label. Rahab the prostitute. That is what everybody knew her of. That's that's how she's listed in the Bible. That's what she's talked about. Without any evidence of something more. But just this feeling. This feeling that there is a God. This feeling of faith. She acted on his behalf. And she helped Israel. And she gave them a chance. She acted Despite what everybody called her and everybody thought of her. And here's the thing about her. Despite her past, despite her labels, not only, if you look through the genealogy of David, is she there. She's like his great-great-great-grandma or something like that. But you carry that on to the genealogy of Jesus and she's there too. Which means that God looked at her and said, your past does not matter. Sometimes, We don't think we can get past that one thing we've done, that one thing we've thought, that one moment. And it's like, I just can't do it. Worse than that, sometimes we see others and we don't think they can get past their past. But Rahab did, because she trusted God and God saw her and said, hey, it's a new world. It's a new life. And she took it and she ran with it. Each of these people, they acted. And it absolutely took courage. But everybody else had courage too. You see, the Israelites and Moses, it took courage to walk across the sea. But the Egyptians also had courage. Misplaced, but still it was there. That's not what separated them. It was the faith. It was living for something more. And faith is not only, not only God is here with me. But it is also, I can do. I can be better. I can do more. I have a big surprise of a quote from C.S. Lewis. Originally, sorry, I'll tell you this after the third quote. Regarding the debate about faith and works, it's like asking which blade or a pair of scissors is the most important. And I love that quote. Because so often we say, okay, I have faith, and faith without works may be dead, but only faith can get us to heaven. Jesus said, you believe in me and you go to heaven, and we all know that. But here's the thing. Works still matter. And C.S. Lewis, uh, obviously I've talked about him once or twice. Him and Beatrice are probably close to time. <laughs> Maybe... In a couple weeks, when I preach again, I'll, I'll tell a story about, about, I'll give a quote from Beatrice and use C.S. Lewis as a child, but we'll see. <laughs> but when he was young, C.S. Lewis, the man who wrote so many strong-thinking Christian books, the man who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, who wrote letters, who helped so many people come to Christ, he turned away. He lost his faith. He gave in to his doubts, and He quit. But God didn't say, well, we're done. You, you turned away from me and now you're never going to get another chance. He continued to give him opportunities and eventually C.S. Lewis came back and he did so much as a disciple, so much for the overall capital C church. And his actions and his words, they led so many people to Christ. And I remember the, I saw a C.S. Lewis play last year. And it was like a one-man show thing. And in it, he writes a letter to somebody in America who was asking and having doubts. And like, I just don't see a difference in the church. I don't see what it means to be a Christian. And through these letters, C.S. Lewis largely saying, yeah, it stinks to be a Christian. And it's hard to have faith. This other person came to Christ. Because C.S. Lewis was honest and he was just himself. He wasn't like Mr. Rogers. He wasn't like Paul. He wasn't like Peter. He was like him. And God saw him and he used him and his past didn't matter because he stood up for him and absolutely works do not get you into heaven you cannot get a checklist you cannot do more to get into heaven that's all about faith but your works your actions your life can point someone else towards heaven they matter they make a difference they're important And not just works as in a mission trip or or teaching or preaching or singing, all of that stuff matters, but works of compassion. Words of compassion, works of hope, words of hope, works of help, words of help, of love, of grace, of understanding that if our pasts are forgiven, if we can move forward, then so can others. And helping others to see that grace by living it out, by sharing it, by loving them. Going to the last part of the scripture uh, in verse 34. And this is about everybody, like I said, in Hebrews 11. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free they placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. All of this. All of this faith stuff and this church stuff and this Christian stuff would be easy if not for that last sentence. If not for that some were tortured sentence. Because even the difficulties that we have daily, if we knew for a fact that it always ended in winning, that it always ended in us coming out ahead, that it always ended in us making a definite difference and seeing that difference in others, in having a good life, in being successful by every definition, then it's pretty easy. But sometimes, sometimes living out our faith, sometimes having our faith, sometimes showing our faith, it may help and inspire someone and we'll see evidence and we'll be like, oh, this is so awesome. This is why I do this. Sometimes it may help or inspire someone that then helps or inspires someone else. Like I've told the story of the usher who helped Billy Graham get into a revival before when he was very young. He helped Billy Graham who then helped a lot of people. So sometimes it's like, okay, that's still good. Like I I feel that. Sometimes It may just seem like a small part of the whole, sometimes we may see no result at all. We may pour everything into someone or into a situation or into a job or into a ministry or into whatever, and it just does not change. And that's where it's hard, it's like, what do I do? I'm doing everything I can. How can this not get better? Because We are trained to think it's going to be okay in every situation. Because, to be honest, all of us in here are doing okay. You know, financially, life wise. It's not to say none of us struggle. It's not to say that we're all in the rich category. But we're all doing okay. We're fine. And so, We're kind of geared towards thinking, well, it's going to turn out. It's going to work out. And sometimes that causes us to be like, ah, somebody else will pick it up. I'll just, I did something and it didn't work, so somebody else can do it. Because we look at the Bible and we see the successes and we see the failures, but we don't often see the steady persistence. But Jesus once said, it takes persistence. It takes persistence. And so even though we're mostly okay, we could all do better. We could all do worse. I've said this before, and I'm sure I'll say it again. If I could promise that if you would become, if anybody would become a Christian and live it out every day and do more and more, then you would be so prosperous and life would be so easy and you'd have no struggles, man, we'd be packed. We'd have standing room only. can't promise that. In fact, Jesus kind of promised the opposite. He said, hey, they hated me and I did nothing wrong ever. So they're going to hate me. It's not a very happy promise. But he also said, but man, if you live this out, it's going to be so worth it. It's going to be so worth it. All you have to do is trust. All you have to do is have faith. All you have to do is keep moving forward. And so Jesus was shown hate every step of the way. And yet he returned all of that hate that came to him with love. With hope. With grace. With promises of something more if they would just turn. Over and over and over again. As he was betrayed. As he was hated. As he was hurt. As he was killed. He still came back and said, Peter, I'm giving you a chance here. And he still gives us a chance. He still sees us. He still loves us. And sometimes we expect things to just get better on their own. I can tell you this. Uh, my engine light is currently on and I'm just trusting that's going to get better. <laughs> One of these times I'm going to turn on my car and the light's going to be gone. and It's boom. We're good. And we kind of do that with life. I cannot guarantee comfort. I cannot guarantee earthly success. I cannot guarantee even evidence that what you do will matter. But I can promise that what you do does matter. I can promise that if we live like Jesus and we walk... In his path, and we show others who he is and what he said and what he did and how he loved them and how he had grace and how someone that was labeled a prostitute became a part of his line and how everyone who follows him goes on to something better. I can promise that. I can't even guarantee that the people that you help or minister to, will love you. See, if everybody loved us back, it'd be really easy to love everybody. But I can't. But Jesus also said, if if the people who who love people that love them, like the worst people in the world can do that, that's easy. But to love people that return that with hate, it's hard. But I can guarantee hope And I can guarantee God's love. And I can guarantee that you'll be a part of something more. That the more we do, the more we're a part of it. My final quote. Originally, when I was looking through this, I had Martin Luther. And then I had Martin Luther King Jr. And I was like, I wonder if there's like a Martin Luther King something else to add like a third quote. There was not. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. You see, Martin Luther King Jr., he saw violence. And he saw separation and he saw hatred. And he felt that person. And as I said, with everyone else, he wasn't perfect, but he saw God. And he had to have felt the same. When he saw people hurt, when he saw the violence, when he felt the anger, when he felt the hatred, he had to at times feel like, I've just got to give it back. And again, he's not perfect. None of the disciples are. But he did his best to show a better way because he trusted God and he hoped. He tried to live differently and he died for it, like so many before and so many after. And again, all imperfect, but they tried. We're never going to see the whole staircase. We're never going to know God's whole plan for our life or for anyone else's life or or for the world. We're never going to know all of that. We're never going to see everything. Sometimes we wait until we have every amount of information before we make a decision. That's not how life works. We're not going to see it, but we have seen evidence that God is real. And we see evidence of his love and his actions and his hope and his grace. And so that is why we go forward. We are a part of his story, not for our own sake, but to help others to see him. And this does not mean that you can't have a good life, a comfortable life. It doesn't mean you can't have a job or money. It doesn't mean you can't give me a lot of money to pay for my college loans. You can do that. You can even buy me a new engine if you want. I will allow that. It doesn't mean any of that. But it means that everything that happens to us, everything that we go through, it's okay to feel that. It's okay to feel doubt. It's okay to feel upset. It's okay to feel hurt. It's okay to feel depressed. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel anxious. But then to take that and allow God to help you to go through it. I have said before that, like Paul, I've prayed several times to be delivered from the depression and the anxiety. I'm not. But because I'm not, I see others who deal with that because I trust God to help me do that. So whatever it is that you're praying for, if it's not being healed or, or fixed in the way that you expect, that doesn't mean that God doesn't hear you. It means that you can do something. It doesn't mean that struggles are fun. It doesn't mean that God is making you struggle to, to teach a lesson. It means that you can do more if you trust him more. Acts and that timeline that we saw. The church, it did not stop there. It continues with us and it continues past us. What we do today in this church is not just for the people in this church. It's for the people that come long after us. Because God's church will survive well past anything that we see. We can do better. We can do more, we can show more. As we go forward in life, sometimes our passion and our faith starts to fade away because we get comfortable. We can do more, we can renew that. I get that it's hard. And I get that to not see evidence is hard. But we cannot fade away. We are a part of something more than we can imagine or understand. And He is with us. And He will always be with us. That's all I got.